Welcome to ADHD is Over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is Over. Here we are again, back for another episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for selecting this episode and this podcast. Without you listeners, it would be like talking to a wall. Not that I would mind. I still love doing what I'm doing and I still love, you know, trains of thoughts that are long and expert interviews and discussions with my wife, which is what we do on this podcast. But still, knowing that there's people out there that are listening and engaging, we've uh, started to get quite some engagement, uh, people reaching out through our website, ADHDsover.com. It's currently in the works. Uh, there's going to be updates on the documentary, updates on this podcast, as well as updates on the book that Tatiana and I are writing. This is a book that is planned to be published in January. There will be some advanced uh, availability, some early access. Um, we are currently also still fundraising for our documentary, ADHD's Over. We've teamed up with Tree Media Productions in Los Angeles. Uh, they are a very awesome, respectable, and powerful production company uh, responsible for such successes as The 11th Hour, Ice on Fire. Those are environmental documentaries with Leonardo DiCaprio. And so we're excited to be working with them. But because we are not middle of the road, we are not sort of following the traditional narrative, the loud narrative, um, it is a bit harder to get this funded and streamed on platforms that are nowadays, unfortunately, a lot of them are it's very political. They cannot uh, put films that question the main sort of mass media, mainstream narrative. So we are fundraising and we're going to give early access to a manuscript of our book, also entitled ADHD is Over. It's a uh, uh, sort of a step-by-step, 10-step research guidebook for, for parents, for families uh, with children that were diagnosed with ADHD. Basically for people that are on the fence or, you know, about medication or they've been medicating for a while, but they're just torn, they're still not sure, something doesn't feel right and they know there's something else vibrating out there and that is our movement, ADHD is over. So thank you. That was a long way of saying thank you to you, the listener, right now listening to this very episode. We appreciate you so much because you give us, you know, this, this space to engage in this dialogue. We are not experts. We're not medical experts. This is never to be seen as medical advice at all. We are simply parents, a family of a child, our son Kai, who got diagnosed with ADHD in 2016. It's been a, well, 15, end of 15. It's been a five-year ride. And we are simply here to reflect back to you our experiences, our, you know, what's going on in, in, inside of a family that has denounced, or I should say we've sort of rejected the label and, and we don't believe in medication ourselves. And so if you're in a similar boat, you will love this podcast, you will love this movement. And if you're not, if you're totally into medication and you, you know, it's your life is fulfilled, that's great too. 
there's literally no judgment um, from our from our side. We have a very strong stand, um, but we're not judging anyone for um, medicating or labeling or so forth. In the end, if a family is fulfilled and truly happy, hey, who are we to judge that that's not the right way to go about it? So that's who we are. That's the podcast. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is called, Where Are the Fathers? And as a father myself, this is a very important topic to me. I, about three years ago, my wife and I had our second moment of uh, talking about divorce, the big D. And I can now say, looking back, it was all my, my doing, my responsibility. I was not grounded as a man, and I get more into what that means. I was unstable when it came to intimacy, to being in my power, to being confident, to provide safety and, uh, you know, this, this sense of, uh, of security, right? Not, not financial, but when, when a wife doesn't feel like the family's taken care of, when there isn't that masculine energy to ground and to create that certainty. And I just want to point something out to you, the listener, whether you're a woman, man, wife, husband, it doesn't matter. I'll see if I can sort of cover both ends, but I'm certainly not an expert in relationships. Uh, our mentor, Brett Jones, and his wife, Marie Crystal Jones, out of Australia, the Relationship Warrior uh, Program, which I highly recommend if you are uh, a married couple, a committed couple, but you're perhaps struggling a bit or going through a reinvention or, you know, you want to stay together and re you're really in for the long run, but there's just some hiccups. I highly recommend their work. It saved our marriage twice. That's a big testament. And I'm not even sponsored by anyone here. So just so you know. Anyway, so our mentor, Brett Jones, uh, is certainly an expert. I'm not, but I've learned a lot from Brett. And in a nutshell, women are wired to look for safety, security, but ultimately it's certainty. What that means is that we've all seen... Uh, you know, guys, you could probably relate. We've all seen a beautiful woman with an average looking guy and you find out they're married and they're great. Well, at least they say. And we go, what? I can't believe that woman's with that guy. I know that sounds judgmental, but I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. Ladies, if you're listening, uh, us guys, we have those thoughts. And what I would discover over the years is that it isn't always looks. It isn't always even money. It's a certainty. And women, I know you can relate when you meet a man who's very certain about who he is, who's very certain about what he's up to in life, there's an instant attraction. It doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be like, I need to marry this person or have sex with this, whatever. But there's a, oh, wow, this man is so grounded. It's almost like a, a, a big stake of wood in a ground, right? It's just like, boom. Unlike the men and let's call them boys or princes coming from the relationship warrior code kind of description you know when you meet a, a prince a boy who's sort of like a leaf in the wind it's almost like sticking a tiny little you know those little plastic flags in the ground when you're playing soccer they kind of bounce in the wind and they're just they're just not very sturdy right there's a lack of certainty of that post the king the man in his masculine is like a post in the ground 
And so for you women, it, you're wired that way, you know? Women are wired to look for, for that certainty from the masculine, for that safety, that the family's taking care of, I'm taking care of, we're eating, we have a place to sleep, we're going somewhere in life, my husband, my boyfriend, whatever, my fiance, my partner has a mission, there's a purpose, right? That's what women look for. I guarantee you, we've seen it, I've seen it in Brett's seminars, I've seen hundreds of, of women or wives agree to that. Once in a while, there's a woman that says, no, not really. And then four hours in, you know, something gets discovered and it was all a front. And ultimately, even that woman wanted to just surrender, relax and just know, you know what, I'm taking care of. Now I can do what I am passionate about. Now I can start my own business. Now I can do my things, but not out of scarcity, not out of if I don't do it, my husband is not doing it, then, you know, I have to do it, right? There's that sort of chest plate even for women. So anyway, I don't want to get too carried away. That's the relationship warrior work that you can look up online, relationship warrior uh, I think it's relationshipwarriors.org, uh, Brett Jones, Marie Crystal Jones. Anyway, so that's women. Men, we need to build stuff. We need to have a purpose. We need to provide that safety. We need to be admired for, wow, you just built me a fucking igloo in the middle of the snowstorm and we're safe. You know, that kind of, like, it doesn't have to be physical. And I'm not talking about this, by the way, if some of you are thinking, oh, this is like the 50s conversation of the man goes to work and the woman stays at home. No, not those masculine feminine roles. That was totally taken out of context, totally abused. Don't get me started on feminism. That's something else. But there is just that innate kind of desire that men and women have. That's our, that's how we're wired. That's what we, that's our masculine and feminine energy. And we both have both energies, right? Without getting lost in that. All I wanted to say is that that dynamic of the man being like a, a big, heavy wooden post, like a stake in the ground, that certainty of the masculine in a home. And then the feminine, the sort of a uh, uh, creative, nurturing, uh, you know, surrendered, beautiful, feminine, once that dance is right, children can blossom. There's love, there's balance, there's harmony, there's nurture, there's listening, there's understanding, there's emotional intelligence, there's growing together. There is an aim, a purpose in life that that family is like, you're on that track, right? And so with an almost... 40-something, high 40s percentage of divorce rate in the United States. And just to pick one, you know, ethnic group here, just to go into the African-American uh, uh, demographics since this Black Lives Matters and, you know, racism and all that's very current. Um, Candace Owens, whether you like her or not, whether you're right or left and you hate her, love her, it doesn't really matter because I'm not a supporter. I'm not a registered Republican, but I will say that she is an amazing speaker of facts. And one of the things that she mentioned that I really was impressed by, and by the way, she's a big stand. She, she's someone who believes that the issues, right, of the African-American community is not systemic racism and is not racism itself. The issues, the biggest issue is fatherless households, fatherless homes. And I got to say to you, it resonates with me. 
and resonate for me is resonance for me is evidence. You know, a lot of people function simply just by waiting for evidence. And then once they have the evidence or from a source they believe is, is true, um, then they act upon things. I go a lot with resonance. It sounds, it sounds or feels right to me. And to be honest, the older I get, um, I've yet to be really disappointed by my in, internal guidance system, by my resonance. I'm getting great results. So this all being resonance, right? It just resonated with me when she said that. And she also said that in the 1960s, about 23%, I believe, of African-American households were single, uh, you know, parent households, mostly women, um, you know, divorced or I guess some, sometimes never married, but it was single mothers, right? 23% in the 60s. And today, this is closer to 70% of the African-American community. And you can look this up. Candace always gives facts and links and, you know, she doesn't make stuff up. You can look it up. And so that is a huge problem. If we think about that, seven out of 10 African-American households have no father. And I want to let go of the African-American right now. I just chose that as an example because I knew the statistics to that one. It might be different numbers in, you know, different groups, right? Definitely. They're all, we're all different. But my point is that even, for example, um, on a lot of the social media, the online support groups for ADHD parents that I'm a member of, obviously for research reasons and also because I am a parent of someone who supposedly got diagnosed with this so-called disorder, right? So... What I've observed is that about the similar percentage, about 70%, sorry, I'll take it back. First of all, about 90% of the posts are, are done by women. And about 75% of the women posting are either single moms, divorced, separated, you name it. And usually more than one kid. And I'm here to say that that is a, that has a huge impact on a child's life to be raised by a single mother, often stressed out three jobs, you know, uh, not a lot of money in the household, a husband or ex-husband they're still fighting with and so forth. Right. And this is generalizing, but my point is that any stress obviously impacts a child, but when you have a very sensible child with a lot of sensory perception mechanisms that a lot of us don't have, my son, for example, he's very sensitive. He senses energies and he can smell scents from, you know, half a mile away that I can't smell and he can see and hear things and he's just very alert. And we call him a very sense ability, sensible, sensible, right? He has ability to activate all these senses. When you have a child like that, which actually most children that we diagnose our psychiatric or psychological systems out there diagnosed with ADHD, most of those children have those, those senses activated. And so now when you add a divorce or parents fighting or, you know, financial stress or, and or financial stress on top of that. And another thing I noticed is a lot of those, those mothers uh, on those support groups that are struggling uh, they're young. They're very young. They're in their 20s, right? And I know way back in the, what, 50s, 60s, you know, uh, women were younger when they got, got married and it's a little, 
the age has skewed up a little bit, but there's still a large percentage of our population that have kids in their early 20s. Thank God I didn't, because I sure was just a knucklehead in my early 20s. I don't think I would have been a good father. Maybe decent, maybe good-hearted, but oh boy, I'm glad I waited a little bit longer. But that's everybody's own business, right? There's no right or wrong here. There's no average age or an age you should get married by or should have kids by. Fuck that. Anyway, back to uh, the stresses that, that, that these mothers go through, the sort of trauma that can, gets imprinted in these kids' uh, subconscious uh, is intense. And what I'm here to say, the reason why I wanted to make this, I wanted to record this episode called Where Are the Fathers? is as a father, I take responsibility for us men right now. I was one of those men who almost left his family. Now, I never, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but I did bring the D word, the divorce word, into our discussions with my wife. I caused a lot of upset, um, frustration, sadness, to a point where even the, the children overheard it and started crying on the phone, and it was a mess. And perhaps, thank God, that happened. When my kids were in the background crying, saying, Papa, please don't leave us, it takes me back there every time. Like that moment, my, my intestines twisted, almost twisted to a degree where they would squeeze my heart and say, what the fuck are you doing? I, re I will remember this day forever. I will remember where I was sitting, what time it was, what time of day, what it sounded like, what it felt like. And I'm using that often as inspiration to say, I have a responsibility here. I have two children, two boys, that I'm at least legally responsible for until they turn 18. Now, that would be a very left-brain kind of approach to life and say, well, once they're 18, then they're off my... No, no, no. I, I'm responsible for them for the rest of my life. I want to be there. I want to love them. I want to be involved in their lives, and I want to live as long as I can for them. But my point is that I was once a guy who almost started a domino effect, right? I sort of started, it's almost like I was blowing very softly at the first domino in that long chain of dominoes. And thank God that first domino never fell. Because there is a moment, and you ladies listening will know this, that there's a moment when a woman is done with a man, then she's done. There's a, there's a point of no return. And thank God I did not push my wife that far. Thank God I did not blow over that first domino because I would have not only added to the statistic of, you know, divorce of a fatherless household, I would have added more stress and trauma to my wife, to my children, and who knows what that would have cost. I'll never know. So I'm here to say to all men that we can do better, that we are contributing to huge, almost epidemic-like waves of ADHD, ODD, anxiety, depression, any of those disorders that we label our children at these young ages, like five, six, seven, eight years old, that's on us. Now that's not on us as in like, that's our blame or our fault and we're bad men. No, no. There's a huge difference between blame, fault, and responsibility. 
Responsibility is actually the ability to respond to the call. And the call is, dad, your son or your daughter needs you. And you respond in the interest of the collective, the family you created, the family that you decided to build with your horniness, your sperm, whatever. I'm, I'm getting, you know, a little graphic here, but let's face it. That's where it starts oftentimes. We're attracted to someone. We want to sleep with them. We're not careful. Now we have a baby. Well, the only way to be responsible is to say, I caused this. I'm here and I'm going to work through the lessons that are given to me by my intuition, by my whatever, by, by the mere fact that I'm here and I now have a child. So I need to stay here and see how we can transform into better human beings during the process instead of running away. Now, look, I can't judge anyone. It's not like I have a, I know the right answer to life and I know the, all the truth. Like, is it, do you need to stay with your wife? Or if you run away, is that okay too? They're both fine. But if we are saying that we're interested in living a harmonious life, a happy life, a peaceful life, I think that's a valid option to say, well, maybe staying in it and growing through it Becoming a man, a father for the child versus bitching and moaning about not having the right partner or not being in the right place or no longer loving them. That's a prince. Those are boys running away. No man, no king ever leaves this family. And I'm so grateful to this day to my mentor, Brett, for saving our marriage because I needed to step up to become a king. And I'm still working on it and it's still not easy, but I'm still doing a lot of work. I'm in a men's group right now, in a weekly men's group where I do work. I'm starting to surround myself more with men who I look up to, who are solid, who are, uh, and again, again, nobody's perfect. They're all working on their shit. They're all healing shit. We're all healing shit. We're all traumatized. Let's just, let's just get that flat. We're all traumatized. We all need to heal shit. We all need to do work. No one's perfect. But I want to work with men who are, who are okay admitting faults, who can be authentic, who can say they're weak or they're depressed today or they're not feeling well or they lost their purpose or whatever, right? Who can just be real. When we can surround ourselves with friends like that, we can start moving upwards. When we have sort of dead weights like ballast, like on a hot air balloon, it's weighing us down, we can't go up. We're not going anywhere. So again, this episode really is meant to speak to fathers. Like I call you, I request you step up like I'm doing the beginning steps of moving from prince to king. You know, a prince is very selfish. Me, 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 me. I don't feel good. I don't like it here. I don't want to do this. I don't have time. I'm tired. I'm out of energy. I don't love her anymore. That's a prince. A king looks at what he's committed to and then looks at his advisors, his friends, his supporters, and says, guys, I'm a little stuck here. What, what, what did you do? What worked? Okay, good. I'm going to show up for my kids. Okay, good. I'm going to get a new job. Okay, good. I'm going to generate more money. I'm going to uh, be more present with my wife. Trust me, I struggle with all of them. Still today, to this day, today. You know, we had a parenting issue last night with our kids, and we had to get over our our selfishness and, oh, we're upset and you kids are not behaving and all that stuff. And we had to completely turn it around and take responsibility for it and tell our kids, we didn't include you in this conversation. No wonder you felt like we just dragged you to some, some 
some event and you had no say, say in the matter. You didn't know when we were going to start and when we were, when it was going to end. And, you know, kids like to be involved in those discussions so we can create this together, not to get carried away with details here. But as parents, we're still struggling. As, as a man, I'm still struggling. As a husband, I'm still struggling. Creating intimacy with my wife, all that stuff. I'm here to say, guys, it's all part of being a man. It really is part of being a man. And we can, little by little, we can uncover. We're like onions. Let's heal our shit. Let's, let's peel off another layer of the onion. It's so important for ch children to see that, that we're not perfect, you know, but not to run away. I know a lot of you want to run away. I've wanted to run away. I know the feeling, you know, it's like if I just run away and start over somewhere else, but guess what? The same situation will follow you and appear again. That's why some guys have been married for five times and you're like, how could you do it for five times? Well, because they're not changing anything after the first time didn't work out. They're not looking at something that's not working with them. They just think the other person's the problem. It's not the case. It's never the other person. We can literally make any situation work with any person. Even if we're out of love, we can get back into love. Especially when it's for our children. Even an amicable divorce is better than a totally grudgy, resentful, violent, whatever, abusive marriage. So I'm not saying you have to stay married. I'm saying you should want to create peace in any situation, whether it's marriage or divorce, if you're interested in a balanced, fulfilled life. If not, then you don't have to. But the way to get to balance and harmony and fulfillment in life is through peaceful relationships with anyone. So again, I'm here to say no more fatherless households. It's unacceptable that us men are running around in the world deflecting responsibility and creating the world we live in. Why do women call it a patriarchy? And yes, I personally hate that word too, just like I don't like the word feminism. I don't like those general terms that we come up with because we now think, you know, because we have terms like toxic masculinity or patriarchy, that that's going to solve anything. It's not. And by the way, look up feminism was strongly supported and launched by the Rockefellers. There was a, a plan to, to tax women as well. That would be more income, right? If you tax two people in a household for the financial system, that knowledge is not in mass media, you know? Feminism was given to women who at the time felt like they were treated unequal, and they were. But it wasn't going to fix it. The chest plate of the feminist warrior of I don't need a man or fuck men or whatever that was, right? That's not going to fix it. That's going to make it worse. How we actually start to dance together, men and women, is by men going first. We take the first step. We are the kings of the castles. We, our job is to create safety, certainty for our family by being there, by being strong. And one thing I forgot to say earlier, you know, when I say certainty, first of all, we all know there's no guarantee in life, right? The only guarantee is that things are always going to change. We don't know when, how, what, we just, we're in it, right? We're trying to have as much control as we want, but, or need, feel like we need to have to function in the world. But we know there's no guarantee. That's why there's warranties, 
if there was a guarantee in life, we didn't, we wouldn't need warranties. Warranties are there to say, look, we know there's no guarantee. So when this thing breaks, we'll be nice, you know, nice to you and we'll replace it. It's a warranty, right? But certainty is beyond all that. Certainty is trusting in oneself as a man that we are powerful enough, capable to handle any situation that comes our way. That's the certainty that women want. Women want to be with a man, especially when you have a family, a wife or a partner wants a husband, or what I call the feminine energy wants the masculine energy to be there and to have that certainty. That's number one. And by the way, some of you may think, well, this is not including non-traditional, gay, lesbian, it includes everything because when there's two partners, no matter what sex they are, there's always one that's, that's predominantly more in the masculine and the other one in the feminine. Rarely, I've never met uh, a couple where they're both always in the masculine and both always in the feminine. And, and, and I know there's a, a dance back and forth. We, both, we have both energies, right? But there's a predominant way of being. And usually we need, again, that's opposites attract. It's really meant that yin and yang. That's like, it's a dance, right? So that's what we need to work on. And since I'm a man, I'm again, I'm, I'm really really requesting you to join me on this, on this uh, crusade for good. And that is for us men to start to be responsible, to start to be in our masculine power, to be grounded. Because if we're not grounded, our kids can't be grounded. And kids with ADHD or diagnosed with ADHD are usually considered not grounded, right? fidgety all over the place, not paying attention, not focused. That's ungrounded energy. In a household where a father is very grounded, rarely will you find a child with ADHD. In a happy household with a father that's grounded and a mother that's grounded in the feminine, will you most likely never find a child that would be considered ADHD. There may still be unique children that have a lot of energy and are very creative and are not blending in with the, with the you know, mainstream, but that's just not called ADHD. That's just a unique child who needs to charter, you know, carve out his path. Someone like that should never be diagnosed anyway with a disorder. But my point is that I guarantee you, and this could be, nothing's 100%, but in the high 90s, 98%, I guarantee you that you will not find a child diagnosed with a serious mental disorder in a family, in a loving, grounded family where the masculine and feminine dance is working. I know that's a crazy, huge statement. I know. There'll be some people who will say, what the fuck are you talking about? It has nothing to do with masculine and feminine, blah, blah, blah. Look, I get it. But I really hope that one day we can do a study like that, that we can actually prove that that's true. The only problem is, of course, that we still argue whether ADHD exists or not. I know it doesn't. It's made up. What exists is the friction between a person and his or her environment. That struggle is real. I get it. Your struggles, if you have, or if you're someone who got diagnosed with ADHD, is real. But you don't have, nobody has ADHD. You can't. It's not a thing. It's not a medical condition, a medical disorder. It's not. It's a psychiatric label. 
that describes a bunch of symptoms that we are now more and more seeing in almost a little bit, you know, every boy. Some have it more extreme because, again, they went through more shit, more adverse childhood experiences like the ACE study in the 90s clearly proved affects children, you know. So anyway, I think I'm going to leave it here today. Dear fathers, please step up, level up the operating system. Make that U 2.0 happen. Let's get this men 2.0 going. We can do better than this. I can do better than this. And I'm working on it hard. And it's not easy work, but it's so beautiful to enjoy those moments that my wife and I and the kids have. You know, that love and connectedness. And, and our son has now been five years, you know, medication. Free. He has never taken medication. And while he was hyperactive in 2016, he's absolutely not hyperactive at all now. So he outgrew that that portion, right? He's still dealing with other issues, but we're working with him on, you know, lots of physical activity. We're, we're working on diet. We got like some physical therapy, some, some reflex movement, all that stuff. We're, we're working on it and it's work, but we're convinced that he never had ADHD or any of the other five disorders that he was slapped on with, you know, he doesn't. He just had some friction, some challenges with the environment, with the current world. Don't we all? Is this world perfect? Is everything working? Are the systems we've created benefiting all involved? You know, hell no. Look at the world. So these kids are here to say, yo, I'm your check engine light, motherfuckers. Wake up. Something's not working in the system. I'm just a little light bulb going beep, 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 right? So look at your kids like check engine lights in the family. Where are we hiding trauma? Where are we not talking about something that matters? Where are we brushing them off? Where are we pretending that the divorce we're going through or the hate we have for ex-husband or ex-wife is actually not affecting them? You know, when are we going to stop like wiping all that? What is it called when you, when you swipe it under the rug? You know, that's got to stop. That bullshit's got to stop. We're responsible for it. They're, the, they're just here to like wake us up. They're just here to point out the weaknesses of our systems, you know, in the family, in the community, in the world. If we start listening to them, and I don't mean like every single word they say is the truth, right? They're kids, but it's a metaphor. If we start listening to that check engine light, the check family light, then we can actually figure out what's not working. Then we can be honest, you know, with ourselves that we've just been running around in a rat race, following the wrong carrot on a stick and... Shit's not working out and we're just pretending we got this and I'm muscling through and I'll just have a drink at the end of the day and then I go back to my shit and it's fine and oh God, this sucks. That's got to stop. And as a man, I take full responsibility for all the men for leaving you mothers stuck back there alone with all that stress, with all that worry, with all that uncertainty with no love, with just work, grinding, challenging, you know, beating you down, depressed, stressed, all those things. We caused that, men. We've abandoned the mothers of our children 
yes, we abandoned our children, but we've also abandoned the mothers of our children. And they're back there pulling their hairs out, stressed out, and the kids are stressed out and on medication. And, you know, it's a mess. And we cause that. We do cause that to this day. There's one of our fellow brothers, men, husbands right now running away. Right now, someone's getting into a car filled with belongings and suitcases and flips off a middle finger and drives off just like in the movies and looks in the back mirror and you see a little girl holding a teddy bear crying. And that father, that brother, that fellow men of ours is lost, is running from something, is confronted, is alone. And that's happening right now somewhere in the world, probably in the thousands, right now. And if we can let that sink in, that image, perhaps it might bring up an image in our own minds of when one of our fathers or mothers left the family, whether it was, you know, divorce, death, who knows. If we can prevent it, can't prevent most of the time a death, right, of, of, of a parent, but this kind of running away, running from responsibility, if we can prevent that together, if we can motivate another fellow man, father, and say, dude, don't do it. Don't leave your child. Be there for him or her or them. If we can take a stand like that, we ourselves are starting to become more certain and more grounded when we, when we ram that stake into the ground and we actually tell another brother, hey man, don't do that. I'm a stand. You be the father that your daughter or, or your son needs right now. And at least until they're 18, at least give them that. Give them a childhood. Be there. Co-parent. Figure it out. Get over yourself. Stop the resentment and the blame on the other partner. Show up. Let your child know, you know what? We are divorcing. We weren't right for each other, but we're going to figure out how to be peaceful and loving with you. We are still your parents, right? Like a peaceful divorce is a beautiful thing. Even if you say, well, no, no divorce should happen. Well, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Some people are divorcing, but at least make it peaceful, right? If you all men can take a stand with me on that, it would bring a smile to my face. If I knew, if I know, well, I do know now that I have some brothers out there who will stand up for me, with me not for me, with me, and for me. And to the women, to the mothers, to the women listening to this, always know that when one of us leaves, is confronted, is out, as they say, I'm out. We are so lost, we are so confronted, we're so immature, we're struggling. Our six-year-old has taken over. That, that car driving away, looking in the rearview mirror as as we leave our wives and children behind that's a six or seven year old driving the car hey shouldn't be driving a car you're only six or seven but no that little six seven year old as one of my friends uh greg likes to refer to the, the six or seven year old asshole in the basement that's who's running the show and if you can have a little sympathy 
women, for us men, when we're being boys in those moments, we really need help. We really need understanding. We really need to be heard. We need to be, you know, it's one thing to chop off our dicks at that time because we deserve it, but it's another to sort of get to the point where you say, I want to chop off your dick, but I also know that you're struggling and hurting and I'm here for you. What can we do? Can we talk about it? Please, like, you know, it makes a big difference. That's not the time to put on an armor, a chest plate as a woman and to say, well, fuck you then. I don't need a man. That's the wrong moment. That's always a wrong moment for that one. But we really need you. We need you in partnership because without you, we're lost. You know, a man without a good woman is lost for the rest of his life. And I don't mean without a good woman. I just meant a man without a partner that can bring the feminine energy to that balance to that dance, we're just not as powerful. We can really drift away and get lost. So please, both of you, men, women, join me in this. Let's put an end to fatherless households. And perhaps let's put an end to it as just a carrot on a stick. We may never get there, just like world peace or end world hunger. But it's a good carrot to have on our stick. And the first step is to just see if we can prevent one man or one woman from throwing gasoline into the fire when there's a divorce conversation happening. If we can be that support and that stand. And it's not about family values. It's not about religious values for family. It is literally just keeping that masculine, feminine, parental unit in balance and harmony and peace for the children. That's going to cause less traumatized children that is going to affect everything in life. Less traumatized children, more wholesomely raised children, will pay more attention to the environment, will want to save the environment, will be more involved in their communities, will create more loving families, and so forth. It just radiates out into the world. That's the difference we can make. All right. Well, if you're still listening, I really appreciate you. Thank you for sticking with me in this long train of thought. I hope it all made sense in the end. I think it did. Um, if you have any questions, suggestions, and so forth, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Please go to ADHDisover.com. Um, you can join the, uh, the, the mailing list for the updates of the documentary and the book, or you can just simply email us there, contact us. You can also check us out on Facebook at ADHDisover. Leave a comment post something, engage with us. We love to have this discussion for a long time to come because we truly believe that when you say for your family or yourself that ADHD is over, it's over. Words are powerful. We create our realities and power comes with responsibility, right? Not with victimhood. So if a label doesn't empower us, why slap it on? Why not keep looking for another way to get empowered with any disorder? Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. This was another episode of ADHD is over. I'm excited for you to hear some really cool upcoming episodes, uh, including Dr. Gabor Mate. I'm really excited about that one. Uh, we've had some great conversations leading up to this and the podcast is coming in November. So be cool. 
go out and vote every day. Everything we do is voting. Everything we click on, everything we buy, all that stuff. Keep voting and then vote with resonance what feels right to you. November 3rd. And let's see where this goes. Yay, America 2.0. No matter what, 2.0 is coming up and I'm excited. I'm excited to reinvent myself, my family, my community and my country. Love you all. Be well. Live magical lives and have an amazing day.